What's up, guys? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash malicious compliance. So I had somebody comment on yesterday's Tales from Tech Support video. <laughs> Again, I forgot to put all my red lights in the background. So uh, I said I'd make it up today in the malicious compliance video, so there you go. Not only do I have the little LED red lights, I've got one big red light off in the corner over there. So, yeah. So no painting for Uncle Reddit today, but... I did get into some drywall mudding. <laughs> I hate that stuff, man. I hate finishing with a passion, but it needs to be done. We got some repairs to do around the house, so here we are. All right, let's read some stories. Fine. I don't care. Just come and get all your crap. Okay, works for me. A little background. So I work for a company that sells and services point-of-sale equipment, i.e. those newfangled cash registers. We also usually install updated network equipment, run wiring, and set up new wireless that has separate networks for both the business and guests if need be. When we go to install this equipment and get the customer set up, we have various documents for them to fill out and sign that range from the fact that they did receive the equipment in working order to whether they wanted a guest network set up and what they wanted it to be called. One of the important areas that we have the customer initial before signing the bottom of the form is that if for any reason they decide to cancel their contract with us, we would remove all of our equipment and they would be responsible to either have someone else there to hook it back up how they wanted it, or they could pay us an extra fee to configure everything how they needed it to work without our equipment. So on to the customer of the story. We had just demoed and sold a system to a local health food cafe, and I was tasked with getting all the equipment installed and set up, and they did us a favor and didn't open until noon on the day we installed. So when I arrived, I discussed all the things in the document for them to sign and told them if they would like to review it before signing, they could and I would start unloading all the equipment and would answer any questions they had. Like most customers, they skimmed it, then signed. So I installed the registers, credit card readers, got the internet provider to allow our router to take over, installed the wireless system, ran cables for the kitchen printers, and the whole nine yards. Even was nice enough to run an extra cable for their manager's computer, like 15 feet away, and reset all their Nest cameras to work with the new network, a pain in the butt as they had about 10 and you had to scan each of the cameras with an app and then change each of them to the new network, about one and a half hours just to get that figured out. So needless to say, I did a little extra for no cost as a courtesy. Longer story shorter, they had the system for about one and a half months before one little thing wouldn't work how they wanted, we never said it would, and they got mad and said we just needed to come get their stuff, and that the only time we could come get the stuff was either before 6am or after 7pm when they close. We agreed, but advised them we would have to charge them an after-hour service call because those were well outside our service times. This went back and forth for about a month until they got their next payment for the equipment, auto-deducted from their account, because they refused to let us come during normal business hours. At that point, the calls started to get more and more heated until the fabled line in the title happened, and they said I could come the next morning and their manager would be there. So the next morning, I arrived at about 8.30 a.m. after their morning rush and found that their manager wasn't even there yet. So I advised the employee what I was there to do and how that would affect them, and if they would like to call the manager first to confirm, I could wait. I'm not a total monster. They called and confirmed what I was there to do, so I started unplugging our stuff. Router? Gone. Wireless network? Gone. No more network means no more accessing cameras. Phones are VOIP, so they stopped working. Their old POS, the reinstalled, was all on wireless. Oops, no more wireless. It took all of five minutes to get our stuff out, and I plugged everything back in how it was before. 
I was lucky enough to not have any customers come in until after I left. Aftermath. They were down for a day and a half on their internet because they refused to call their ISP to get it configured how it used to be because that was our job. Which it didn't help that they were the type of place that didn't take cash. How gross. Then they called and said we needed to come hook their cameras back up how they were and started threatening legal action if we didn't. I finally just took a picture of the form they filled out and highlighted the part they initialed and just started ignoring their calls. I think they finally got the hint and stopped calling. Never heard from a lawyer and found out later that half the staff left because the owner's attitude towards everything. And since they started using Square again, their credit card fees went back up. Yeah, I'm really bad about reading that fine print. Uh, there's been a couple times I got stuck with two-year contracts uh, that I wasn't told about and didn't take the time to read, so it was on me, but it's still frustrating. I guess it depends on how much I'm spending. If I'm spending a ton of money, then I usually will read a little more carefully. It's a good lesson for us all. Read before you sign anything. I'm a renter? Understood. This is long, so I'm sorry if it doesn't satisfy you. Ha <laughs> ha. So let's start with some context. My mom and I moved into my grandma's house when I was five. My godmother already lived with my grandma, so she was also part of the household. Firstly, my aunt has never done anything with her life. She liked to say she had to take care of my grandma, but my grandma was a feisty old Mexican lady who happily handled everything herself all the way until she got cancer in her very last year of life. She used my grandma as a crutch to never get a job or really any source of income ever. My mom and grandma paid for this house every year and kept it up and running. Fast forward to me being 22. My mom died of cancer. We knew my grandma wouldn't be able to afford the house herself, so my wife and I stood to help because we felt bad leaving right after my mom died. So for two to three years we handled the house taxes, the electricity bill. When the air conditioner broke we paid to fix that. And I also gave my grandma my old car when I got a new one so my aunt could take her to the doctor's appointments and whatnot. I did all of this because I was taught to be there for my family by my mom. After those two to three years, my grandma died. So now it was only our income and my aunt needing to be supported by us. Again, this is how I was taught. Family takes care of each other. We felt bad leaving my aunt after my grandma died, so we stayed again. Bought food for her, cooked for her, I even handled all the dishes and house cleaning. I mowed the lawn. I handled any insect issues the house was having. Even gave her our recyclables so she could have at least a little money for stuff. So it finally gets to a point where I confront her and say, look, my mom helped pay for this house. Now I am too. My wife and I want to help you make the house nice again. Notice I said help and not take the house away from you. We want to get new carpet, fix the broken windows, etc. For this though, we need you to co-own the house with us. We aren't going to put our money into it just for you to sell it and we end up screwed over. Or also, if you just happen to die young, the house would just go to the bank. That's a whole other long story, but it's what will happen. She of course said no, but only because she wants the house to herself and in her ownership. She's very, very greedy and selfish like that about everything. So we end up arguing, and I say how we stayed because we cared and wanted to help. We want to continue helping, however, we can't just blindly funnel money into your home when we need to make sure our living situation is secure. During said argument, I say how we've been nothing but caring and don't want to take the house. We just want to work with her. Again, no. So I start to get frustrated and I say, how can you be like this to me? Especially when both my mother and I have paid for this house. We put more into it than she ever has. I don't feel owed, but I feel that us working together and owning the house together would be fair since she doesn't even pay for any of it. I said how we stayed after grandma died to help her. Her exact words were, well, you should have just left. 
That hurt a lot because all that was just for nothing. Not even appreciation. Fast forward to another argument and I bring up how I feel it was wrong of her to take advantage of my mom the way she did. There's way more context to that than above, but again, a whole other long story. When I say I think it was wrong, her words, well, well, take it up with your mother. That broke me because I was super close to my mom and she had only been dead for like two years, so it was still very painful. That was my breaking point. I couldn't help somebody this selfish and hurtful. I told her that it was awful of her to say that, that this house is ours just as much as it is hers. She says, Christian, you guys are renters. Hmm. Cue malicious compliance. I say, oh, we're renters? Okay, so I started going by doing exactly what me and my grandmother agreed upon when we moved in. I paid the electric bill and the house taxes. That's it. Mowing the lawn? Sorry, wasn't part of my lease. Handling the insect infestation? Nope. Landlord's issue. Cleaning your dishes and the 800 pictures you have on the walls filled with dust? Yeah, not my problem. My wife and I care for ourselves now. Her house is going more and more to ruin. Windows have broken more. The air conditioning broke again. The shower broke. Water heater broke and damaged the living room and walls. Termites and all the wood. All not my problems. My wife and I are currently in the process of finding a place and moving out. We might not even tell her when we do move and just up and leave. Letting her sit in her own filth. I mean, it's not my lease that I need to give a notice. Edit. Thank you so much for all the support. I still get that guilty feeling when I leave, but I need to realize that it's just the parasite trying to keep me as her host. Edit 2. For everybody giving advice about taking ownership, I've looked into it somewhat. With adverse possession, I have everything I'd need except one part of it, which is I'd need a paper that shows I had unreasonable doubt to believe it's in fact my house. She would have had to give me a lease or a paper showing she put me on the house, even if she just forged it, in order to be able to actually get the adverse possession. She would rather die to the plague than utter the words, it's your house too. I will possibly reach out to a lawyer though to see what we can do. We had mail come one time as well that was to the homeowner, but one of my uncle's names was on it. So I'm going to City Hall when I'm paid to buy a copy of the current title or whatever so I can see who's actually on it. Edit 3. She asked me about two weeks ago if I could give her $480 to help with the house insurance. I said I don't have it. She later asked my wife, and my wife is a very helpful woman. She told my aunt that if my aunt applies for government assistance, actually takes part in cleaning her part, and is generally helpful, then she would give it to her. Aunt texts wife last night saying, I don't want to apply for assistance right now. Does this mean you're not giving me the money? Effing infuriating. Edit 4. So as far as the title on the house, here's the story. Back in 2000, our city was declaring the house almost like a historical landmark because the house had been in the city for so many years. It was very beat up though, so they offered to literally rebuild it from the ground up. They knocked down the old one and put up the new. So apparently the agreement with the city is after the current title holders die, or sell, or whatever. But then they own the house. If she sells, she has to pay what she owes the city first, which, with zero income, she can't do. Now, I don't know all the details on this, so I'm unsure how true it is. However, it does make me want to deal with it even less, because if I get a lawyer and go through all these hoops just for them to say, nope, it's the city's, then it was all pointless. Ain't family great? I've known people like this often all my whole life. Some are even part of my family, but I've never really had to deal with it to this extent. Right now we're sharing our house with uh, my daughter and her husband and their kids and everything. And it is what it is. I don't consider them renters. I consider them part of the household, part of the family. Um, if they were renters, they'd have their own kitchen, their own bathroom, their own 
everything separate. And I, you know, they know that I expect them to help with the house and they do, they do a great job. So, you know, it can still be tough living as one big multi-generational family unit, but it is possible to do if everybody plays along. As for that aunt and that house, um, I say good riddance, you know, if that house needs that much work and there's termite infestation already and things like that, it's probably not even worth fixing. Honestly, I'm surprised the city agreed to pretty much rebuild it. If it's a historical house, you'd think they would restore it somehow. But if even they're talking about bulldozing it, then that house really is worth nothing uh, other than sentimental value. But that's hard to quantify in any case. Customer demands co-worker's personal number. About 20 years ago, my small company merged with another small company from another state. The other office closed and the employees were relocated to our office. Our office is on the east coast of the U.S. The other office was in a time zone an hour behind ours. One of the new co-workers had to leave about 30 minutes before 5 to meet a vendor fixing something in their new house. About 5 minutes before 5, one of the other company's customers called us and I answered the phone. She wanted to talk to the new co-worker. I told her that co-worker was not in the office and offered to take a message. This led to a long argument. The customer was from the west coast of the U.S., which is three hours behind us. The customer started by demanding to know why the co-worker wasn't there when it wasn't even 2 p.m. I explained the time difference. Then she demanded my co-worker's personal number so she could call her at home. I explained that I was not going to give out personal information about a co-worker I had just recently met. The customer then assured me that the co-worker had given out her former home number, no cell phone, and that the co-worker would be very upset if the customer was unable to reach her at her new home. I didn't engage that argument because it was stupid. Finally, the customer accepted that she was not going to talk to the co-worker and asked if someone else could help. The answer was no, because it was well after 5 p.m. and everyone else had left, and I was not yet trained on the new product. This brought us right back to the fact that closing at 2 p.m. was ridiculous. I explained again that it's 5 p.m. where I was. We simply don't have enough employees to be covering every time zone on the planet. We have customers all over the world. We don't open five hours early for European customers. We don't stay open eight hours late for Australian customers. And we don't stay open three hours late for California customers. We use East Coast hours because those work best for our handful of employees and their families. Customers are generally understanding and nothing we do is that time sensitive that it can't wait until the next day. I finally said that the only choices were to try again tomorrow or I can take a message and give it to the coworker. The customer finally agreed to give me a message, but she insisted that the coworker call her first thing. I assured her I would tell the coworker exactly that. So when the coworker came in the next day at 9 a.m., she complied and immediately called the customer back. It was 6 a.m. her time. <laughs> it woke her up. It's funny, it's not a huge malicious compliance, but it's just enough to be satisfying. Yeah, you want to call first thing? No problem. Still don't understand time zone differences? Not my problem. Yeah, I've had people in the past like that, even once cell phones came along that said, you know, give me his number. Um, no, that's not part of the business and that's not what we do. Those cell phones are for the office to communicate with those on the road. When they come back into the office, they will call you. Either leave a message or wait until tomorrow and try again. The entitlement of some people still astounds me to this day, and it really shouldn't. I mean, all those entitled people you see on YouTube and things like that, um, I shouldn't be shocked, but I am. You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. 
I upload new episodes at least three times a week.